Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading the latest Leeds Book Club podcast. Um, great to chat with you all again. And I'm joined tonight by the ever wonderful and fabulous Chris Nixon, our pet author, whom we occasionally allow out to record little bits and pieces like this, but most of the time we prefer to keep him chained to his typewriter, producing the books that we love. Um, hi Chris. Hi Neve. <laughs> I hope I didn't undersell you too much there in the introduction. Superb would have been better, but we'll live with wonderful. You know, ne- next time I uh, um, let you out of the basement, I'll I'll totally work that word in somewhere. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. I I know that you've had a really hectic couple of weeks, and uh, uh, you're yeah, seem yeah, to be bopping up and down the place. Yeah, in fact, lastly last week I was up in Leeds um, doing an event at Oxfam Books in Headingley. And then two days after that, I was down at Bodies in the Bookshop in Cambridge on a uh, a panel there, and that was really great because the panel was held in the debating chamber of Cambridge Union. So I felt I felt very grand. It sounds very grand. So it's wonderful because they have these doors both in the gallery upstairs and down in the chamber. Two, one door on either side of the main doors. One says eyes and the other says nose. And I, it makes you think, oh yeah, this really is a debating chamber. <laughs> God, we're so easily amused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, plus I could just wander down the street to FOP and uh, pick up a Black Keys album for five pounds and there's nothing wrong with that. No, that sounds fantastic. I mean, Cambridge is one of those places I always intend to visit because in my head it's suffused with this immense literary atmosphere, you know. Is it like that at all or is it just like... Um, it was jam-packed with tourists, most of them Japanese, to be honest. Um, I'd, I'd only been a couple of years before and my son had come down with me as he did this time and we kind of did Cambridge then so mm. we didn't need to, to really do it again. And We had better weather years ago as well so that uh, that helped but um, no it was still fun to be down there and it, it, with them having panels this year it was a really great event I got to know a, a little bit the author was sitting next to me a fellow called Peter Moore who has a, a non-fiction book about a murder in rural Worcestershire at the start of the 19th century that I, I definitely want to read and he and I bonded over music journalism so it was uh, that was really nice. Oh, it's brilliant when you find somebody that you share a particular interest with and then you discover you've got all of these other little things in common as well. I love that. Well, yeah, and one of his ambitions is to write um, a biography of Elliot Smith. So when he learned that I spent 20 years living in the Pacific Northwest and worked as a music journalist there, uh, wow, his eyes just lit up. He said, oh, do you know people there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe... We can help each other out somehow, which would be really great. I mean, this is one of the things that, like, virtually, I think Twitter is so good at. You manage to to find these kindred spirits all around the world and develop a community. I, I mean, we th- across Leeds, there have been so many people that have, you know, given me advice and helped me out with the blogging and book clubbing and setting up various bits and pieces. And, you know, obviously I try and help out in whatever way I can yeah. as well. And you really feel like you're... We're all on the same team, if you know what I mean. It's a lovely yeah, feeling. Twitter's really good as a community, I think. And you develop sort of micro-communities within that. Mm. Um, you know, groups of friends you talk with during the day and stuff. 
stuff like that and it's for that it's, it's much better than Facebook or any of the other social networks I think yeah I mean I think Google Plus has a lot of potential but I'm I'm personally just terribly over the Facebook thing I only use it on my phone now um, for the book club because every time I log on the, on the web I'm lost instantly it's just gotten so big so <laughs> I, I can't yeah. navigate myself around it anymore I use Facebook quite a bit it's for me it's a, a good way of keeping in touch with friends who are scattered all over the globe so I, I think of it as a hub for that hmm. uh, and I, I use it although I'm, I have a page for my writing on that I use it I use Facebook more to um, keep in touch with music friends yeah and Twitter you know for banter and stuff like that oh um, be you know, honest you just them. like to brag every morning when i wake up i look at my twitter stream and about two hours before i've woken up you're like morning twitter i've got two hours of writing behind me you just do that to make the rest of us feel inadequate um i just tend to wake early that's all <laughs> oh fine be reasonable <laughs> what have you got lined up then in the next i know i, I believe you've got a, a book coming out now next I month mean, one of the hello yes i do yes there? Yeah, I am indeed. I can hear you, obviously. Um... Okay. Yes, I have a book coming out, uh, a new book coming out at the end of August, August 30th, called Come the Fear, and it's the fourth in the Richard Nottingham series. Um, and I think, personally, it's the best one mm. so far. Um I mean, I'm, I'm, as, as you know, I'm three books in and, uh, and obviously addicted. Um, and if anybody doesn't know what we're on about, if you head to the blog, Chris has his own page and uh, a couple of short stories are up there as well as reviews, I think, of the first three books. And um, I mean, I'm a huge Richard Nottingham fan. So like, I, I, if, you, if you're saying you think it's the best book, I feel like the, the bar is pretty high there. But I also think that the, if the first three books, in a way, it's kind of like an, there was an arc running through them that seems to have concluded. I don't want to give too much away, but I'm sure you know what I mean, that there are some significant it, changes, you know, that change the landscape for, for Richard. It does, very much so. And um, I was very conscious of that when I, when I started writing this one. And it's... Um, I mean, there's things I, I certainly learnt from the first three and the third book without giving much away again takes Richard Nottingham a bit out of Leeds into um, the villages up to Horsforth and Roundy mm. and this fourth one puts him very very firmly back in the centre of Leeds and keeps him there mm. and I mean, we've discussed before how um, how Leeds almost takes on the role of a character within the books it's very vibrant you know and obviously you describe it in 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 very real terms you do feel like Leeds is an entity outside of being purely a, an environment you know so i'm quite excited about that it sounds like i'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it i was before like but now i really am a lot of this takes place in um in the calls and relationships are built up, new relationships are built up over the course of the book and um, people might find the uh, the ending rather interesting 
I'll say no more about that. Oh, you tease. And um, there's acknowledgements to Leeds Libraries and to Leeds Book Club. Thank uh, you so much. Because you've both been huge supporters, and it's I'm very very grateful for that. Too. Um, you know, Leeds has been incredibly supportive of these books and, and the book club in particular. So it's. Uh, it's about time you got some acknowledgement. Oh, I am. Uh, I think that I, I I have done very well out of knowing you, but I can't <laughs> claim any. Um, it was it was pure luck. I think I got in at the beginning, and um, and so, soon you, I, like the reviews that you had for for Cold Cruel Winter were just spectacular, and it just seems to be you know the the series seems to be taking off. But of course, Leeds is supportive. You you reflect the city in a very honest and, and I think very warm way I mean you haven't lived here for a while but clearly it, it is uh, very prominent in your heart oh it is and you know always will be we're moving back there in a year just over a year so although the impetus for that is my partner is not mine because her daughter lives up there mm. and um, but I think you're right about Leeds as a character the environment itself is is vital and I I want the books to be immersive experiences mm. um, I want people to come out of the book feeling like they've spent the last few hours in Leeds with all the sights and particularly the smells so mm. that's highly important to me yeah and I, I think the fact that while the city itself has changed so much the, the names of streets and things like that remain the same really does ground it in the city that you know, I live in right now, three, two, 200, well, 300 years on. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the layout of the streets within the city centre, say from the Hedro down to, uh, down to the river, mm. uh, is for the, in great part, as it was in, um, in the 18th century. And that helps a lot, I think. Um, also, it was very important that each book have a map as well mm. to let people see and experience it that way. Um, I was, when I was up in Leeds last weekend, I gave my son the sort of brief Richard Nottingham tour of the city, and we're standing on uh, Kurgate just by Zara, and I, I just pointed out to him and said, uh, Well, that's where the jail would have been, and right next to it on the corner there was the White Swan Inn. And he said, I'll never be able to come down here again without seeing those places. And I thought, well, that's what I want. You Perfect. Know, it's, um, they're as real to me as any building that's standing there now. Yeah. Sadly, there's very, very little of uh, of 18th century Leeds left. Um, I think in an in industrial city, well, I suppose anywhere over that period of time, it's think the landscape does just change so utterly, doesn't it? I mean, I look at, I've been living in Leeds now for 11 years and uh, on the Beyond Guardian Leeds website today, um, a woman had, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know who it was actually, I just said a woman, but I don't know, a, a tweeter had, um, had posted a blog about the city that she used to live in and she's sort of going through the city and mentioning shops that have closed and pubs that have changed and and, and you know the corn exchange how different all of that is now and even though I haven't lived here all that long you know you, you can't help yourself but like you start to superimpose the new leads on top of the old one but the as you say it's it remains in your head like it's still it's still so relevant and I, I find it peculiar that like 
you can manage to evoke the same effect despite the fact that you're describing a, a landscape so far ago, you know, so, you know, time-wise. Well, I try. So <laughs> I um, because I see it in my head when I'm writing. So all of what I'm doing when I'm writing is just writing down the movie that's going on in my head. It's nothing more than that. So, uh, so it's obviously a very visual sort of thing for you anyway. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's completely alive to me. Mm. Um, and has been from, from the first book. It's, I, I think in some ways, although I probably wouldn't want to actually live there, mm. it's a more attractive place to me than Leeds in 2012. Although I, I, I think I better be careful using 2012 because I believe that's been trademarked. Oh, for God, yes, duh, yes. Our <laughs> glorious experience is um, leaving a sour taste in the mouths of a lot of people. Um, uh, you've yeah. been, I mean, one of the things that I really love about the books is the fact that um, it, it, there's, there's nothing static. Things change so quickly. Characters come in and out of the books. Uh, characters that play very prominent roles, you know, come in and out of the books in, in a way that leaves it very unpredictable. And you've been notoriously coy about how you, you know, how you project the series going. Can you tell us whether there's a, a book after this or, or are we um, approaching the end? I'm going, to, I'm going to say there is another Leeds book that comes after Come the Fear um, because I've just sent it off to my publisher. <laughs> um, whether it actually involves Richard Nottingham or not, I'm not going to say at the moment. And uh, Fair enough, fair enough. read book four to understand that a bit more. Oh. Uh, oh, but a couple of people, my agent and my editor, um, who's also a good friend of mine, have read book five and actually think it's um, better than Come the Fear and Cold Cruel Winter. Like, I, I appreciate that you, you know, you've obviously put an awful lot of work into this. What I find so staggering is that there are rumours going around that you're current, you've just started a new series as well. Well, I haven't just started. I mean, they, I, I, later this year, the first book in a new three-book series uh, set in Seattle is coming out as an audiobook and e-book. Um, and it's interesting because I had uh, two offers on that, one to come out in print and the other as an ebook and audio book and I actually chose the ebook mm. route although it's not it's not self-published at all yeah <laughs> um, but uh, that's going to be uh, a series that runs from three books that take place in 1988 uh, 1994 and 2000 I, I lived in Seattle for 20 years so I know the city well and all very involved in the music scene there. Mm. I was a music journalist there, so for once I'm sort of writing what I know, but with one big change. The main character is a music journalist, but it's a she. Ah, how are you finding that? Um, I mean, it must put a lot of your, you must look back on a lot of your own experiences as a music journalist and kind of go, oh yeah, that would work. But wait, well, if I was a woman, yeah. it would be very, very different. <laughs> It's, it's interesting because I, 
I wrote the book first with um, a male lead, and when the ebook publisher I'm working with uh, said they wanted it, they said, "How would you feel about making the main character female?" Now they had a perfectly <coughs> good commercial me. rationale because one of the women at the company is American. She does a, an awful lot of audiobook narration, so they have someone right on hand to uh, do the audiobook. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that could make it really interesting. And but of course, it alters every dynamic in the book. So it was uh, it was an interesting rewrite, and certainly um, getting me in touch with my feminine side. <laughs> and you do love a challenge. I do actually, and I feel it's added so much to the book. Um, I think it's done a great deal to make it more alive and um, more interesting. Well, I suppose you'd worked out the mechanics of the story, but going back, it gives it a, a completely fresh feeling for you as a writer, as well as, you well, know... it does, and um, there are a lot of very interesting things, you know, going to be going on in the series. Mm. Um, some of which mirror my life, and some of which take it into other areas. So it's... Um, and, I mean, 1988, I chose deliberately because it's before the whole Seattle music thing broke. Yeah. But it's at a time when Seattle was being named the most livable city in America and people were starting to flock there from California. But the actual music scene itself was still largely underground. Yeah. And 1994, um, of course, brought Kurt Cobain's suicide. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, you skirted the, the time frame, I would have thought. When you think of Seattle, you kind of think from 90 to 94, don't you, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, it's... You know, the start of 94, Seattle was still um, massive because, obviously, it was Nirvana. Mm. And... Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Soundgarden was still huge. Mm. So, I mean, three of the top bands in, in the world at that time were out of this city. Yeah. Uh, and yet, and all these musicians were flocking there, hoping to be spotted. And, Tap into that. I mean, you really couldn't walk around uh, downtown Seattle without seeing some guy carrying a guitar case and wearing um, uh, a backwards baseball hat. <laughs> uh, so it was... Those were interesting times, um, but you know, there's so much other music that's always been coming out of Seattle as well. Um, but the music community was still very much a village. You could go to, uh, I mean, I remember going to see John Martin uh, play there, and all of Pearl Jam turned up because Jeff Amon, the bassist, was a huge fan. He brought everybody else along. Yeah. And Eddie Vedder got really bored and spent. Uh, all this time in the, in the lobby of the venue on the payphone. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so, you, you know, you ran into people and you knew people. And The Rocket, which is the main music magazine, which has a role in these books, hosted parties every year. And there'd be all these, uh, all musicians turning up and everybody would sit around talking, drinking, what have you. Yeah. And in 2000, there was a, an earthquake in Seattle and it's also the year the rocket closed. So mm. these are th 
I, I picked these years quite deliberately. There's a thread that runs through. Uh huh. Mm. Very exciting. Well, do you know when the first one of that is due to come out? <coughs> I we have we haven't come up with a date yet. It's um. I mean, I just got the uh, editor's notes back today, so it's going to take me a little while to work on those. Oh, of course, of course. And then I'm also twelve thousand words into uh, another mystery that's set in Leeds, but it's set during the uh, Civil War. Um, for those people in the audience who happen to not be of English extraction, could you clarify when exactly that was again? Well, it's basically the first Civil War was 1642-1645, then you've got 1647-1649. And this is 1645 when um, Cromwell's troops, the Roundheads, uh, are basically finally taken and kept Leeds, mm. which was... And the economy was wrecked because of the fighting over the last couple of years. It had changed hands a few times. Yeah. Um, the city was kind of a wreck from all the fighting. Um, and also in, this, in March, uh, plague came and plague lasted for the rest of the year. So again, this is, if I interest anybody in it, it's, mm. um, it's going to be a three book series that covers that year. Mm. Um, I, I, uh, but they're murder mysteries as well. So. Oh, I was I was just going to say, and you said that there's a mystery on top of it because I have to admit that just the the I know it's very sparse, but the images that you've painted there are fascinating in and of themselves. It's um, it's a city very much in shades of greys and browns to me at that time. Mm. Uh, but you know, we'll see how it develops, and uh, so I mean, I want to get that written I want to get the second book in the Seattle series written and sometime early next year I'm going to be writing the uh, sixth book in the lead series which I suspect is going to run to probably seven maybe eight books in total for the series yeah so the end is nigh but not soon <laughs> basically yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I know how it's going to end, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> it's the J.K. Rowling thing all over again. <laughs> Maybe so. <yeah. laughs> Except he's not going to grow up and get married. Oh, you say that now. That'll be the big <laughs> twist. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I mean, I, I have an idea for what I want to do in book six. Yeah. So it keeps gnawing at me a little bit, which doesn't make me happy because I have other things I want to do and... Yeah. Having just finished one, I want to take a break before I start the next one, so... They sound a little bit like alien invaders, do you know what I mean? They're all battling away inside of your head, waiting oh. for one to take root. <laughs> to a degree, yeah, yeah. But, um... I've had a couple of false starts on the Civil War book, and this time I think I, I know... I, it feels right, so it's, um... We'll see how it goes. And then there's and yet another book that's out there with publishers at the moment through my agent that's set in Chesterfield in the 14th century. Dear God, man, where do you find the time? Um, I just write every day. It sounds like you write every minute of every day. Or maybe I'm just uh, not a terribly productive person. <laughs> I'm, I, I just plug away every day. I mean, that's the secret of it, yeah. really. 
I mean, probably my biggest thrill this year was um, I've I, I've got to know Joanne Harris a little bit through Twitter, mm. and she was up in Chesterfield doing um, an event for her new book, which is wonderful, and I would recommend everybody reads uh, Peaches for Monsieur Le Cure, mm. and uh, I got to meet her and got an autographed copy of a new book and gave her a copy of The Broken Token. Two days later, uh, she tweeted that she was reading it in the bath and she was hooked. Oh, um, that's so... Oh, that that was, must have been a dream. It was, a th- it was such a thrill for me because I've loved her writing for quite a long time now and to have someone I hugely admire say that about my work is, um, was wonderful you must have been oh, I'd, I'd be over the moon and um, this is probably a, a good time to plug the book launch for Come the Fear which will be in Leeds Ooh! and it's going to be at Holy Trinity Church God you're hitting all of the high points really aren't you I don't think yeah, I, I don't think I've um, actually been there for well, years. Trinity Arts. Yeah. Um, it looks I'll know for sure next week, but it's looking very much as if it's going to be the fourteenth of September, which is a Friday evening. Mm-hmm. There will probably be actors doing readings from the book. Um, going to have some good folk musicians on hand, and a couple of very good storytellers who are going to lend their services so there will be um, stories relating to Leeds and also uh, since one of my good friends is a a traditional Jewish storyteller relating to the Jewish community in Mm. Leeds Mm. um, which in itself is not relevant to the book no but 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 it all creates that it promises to be a good multimedia evening yeah I mean it sounds like there's something for everybody there that's what I'm aiming at. It's, uh, you know, I'd like it to be one of those events that is not po-faced, but an entertainment. You know, people will come back from that feeling like they've been to a gig, and for maybe for some people, it'll be the first time they've been exposed to uh, good storytelling. Yeah. Um, uh, and maybe get some people hooked a little bit on storytelling too, because people really should be. I. I done well it's fantastic and I've learned a lot from storytellers I've, I've worked with yeah um, well I, kn- I know that it's been something you've been passionate about for a while and I have to ma- admit I'm I'm terribly ignorant about the whole process but I've just checked in my calendar I'm not doing a book club I'll be able to come I'm really excited <laughs> <laughs> well I'd love to have you there and in fact I think it would be a really good place to promote Leeds Book Club as well Oh gosh! Well, I it would just be—I, you know me—I'd just be floating around, bouncing, <laughs> bouncing uh, with excitement for every everything. Well, but it's—I well, mean, I it just. Uh, book club there as well, so it's. Uh, I uh, well, I mean, as as I say, I'm already—I've already put it into the diary as you were chatting there, <laughs> so I'm booked. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I know nothing about the the storytelling tradition, but I have huge respect for like um you know our our oral history and it feels to me like it's it, they're very much tied in together and it's something we seem to have placed a different emphasis on on our stories i mean like i, I always think the the kindle book argument is is not kindle e-readers in general argument against paperbacks is is really interesting because i don't care what medium my story comes to me in as long as i get 
the story. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I and I think having a, a storyteller event, it's it just sounds so much more personal. Like the like you're you're less a passive audience and you're more part of the process. And I think that sounds really exciting, you know. Well, I mean, you come from a country with a, a very strong tradition of storytelling. Mm. And really, the country, England does not have a, a, a great oral storytelling tradition. And the general theory for this is where the native language and customs were suppressed, um, the oral tradition is stronger because that was the only way people could keep it going. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, like, it, it makes complete sense. That will hopefully be a, a revelation for people. And folk music is involved in these books, in, in my books. Yeah. Um, mentioned in passing, and I mean, Broken Token, the inspiration for that is from the, the Broken Token ballads. Um, so the folk process and folklore do play an important part mm. in these so it's only right that uh, they become involved there's a possibility and i don't know if it's more than that at the moment that maybe one maybe more of the members of bellowhead might show up to play um but that's just Pure speculation. Anything else at the moment, um, but there'll still be some very good musicians there. Um, and just what you were saying there about the broken token, and I know that your yourself and myself have talked about sort of music and and the the songs, but also the style. I think and how it does seem to have wove its way through um, the the three books and the Richard Nottingham books that I've read so far. Um, but was that, I mean, now, obviously, you're, you're quite involved. I know music's been a big part of your life. But was the, the folk tradition, and by which I mean folk music, storytelling, was all that something that you did anyway? Or is it something that's kind of emerged as you've be, been bec- becoming a, 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 f- a fiction writer? Not so much the storytelling. I, I'm not a storyteller. I'm a writer. And I, I think there's a big distinction between the two because a storyteller, stories change a little bit each time you tell them. Yeah. Uh, with writing, is fixed on the page. But music, yeah, I mean, I. going back, I, I was a musician. I had been for, I was for many years, just for fun, not for a living. And folk music has always been important to me. And I've absorbed a lot of that. I have books and books and books of collected folk songs and done countless interviews with folk musicians and it's something that's so it's yeah i mean it's something that seems to be um going through a bit of a a resurgence at the moment there are so many particularly um female vocalists i think but there are so many young emerging voices in folk music in in england today that it seems to be a very exciting time to like folk there are uh you're right it's it has undergone a renaissance I think, and um, I'm very pleased to see that, and it, it's being used in in different forms as well. Um, there's some very exciting young musicians around, and folk. Uh, I mean, you know, each country has its folk tradition, mm. and I've done a lot of writing of Danish folk music, and what's going on there with young musicians is just fantastic. Um, but a lot of these big ballads 
um, you find all across Europe they traveled yeah um, and I actually remember doing an academic paper on why some of these ballads have survived and I think in in rural societies where people would loathe to get the law involved and mm. there might not have been much law yeah um, where someone had, had broken a social taboo they would use these ballads as a way of saying we know mm. singing these is, is how we know and it's kind of our way of castigating you yeah yeah um, so uh, the power of, of, of these pieces and the fact that they've been honed over hundreds of years so it's like a piece of wood that's been just sort of rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed over centuries until it's so beautifully smooth and honed that it's it's just perfect yeah yeah so to me they have real power and to a degree they've had an influence um, I mean there's a particular ballad that is the inspiration to give more away than that you'll have to read it to find out but um, Ooh. Um, so as soon as the book comes out, if anybody wants to tweet me and let me know what your guesses to the song are, <laughs> I'll pass them all on to you. <laughs> so it's, uh, but it's, you know, that's an explicit way of using folk song, much as I did in, in The Broken Token, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pleased with the book. Um, I can't say it's perfect because I... If I was ever completely satisfied with it, it would be the time to give up writing totally. Yeah. Or start writing in French like Samuel Beckett did. Um, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, you know, move to Paris and become an existentialist. Well, I mean, somebody's got to. Or maybe I'll move to Leeds and become an existentialist. Hey, I like that plan better. That's, um, you know, can do a new blog, The Existentialist at Elland Road or something like that. <laughs> But maybe not. Um, po po possibly not. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we get the promised new owners, then maybe after I move up, I'll, I will actually... Oh, I saw you. Hands. I thought you were going to... I, I saw that you um, you were tweeting one of... Uh, well, a guy I've only met the once, but it was at your, um, your book launch at Leeds Libraries earlier... Was it this year? Was that this year? Yeah, it was at yes. the start of this year, Mick McCann. Yeah. And I saw that... The uh, I thought the you Encyclopedia were... of Leeds is well worth reading. I, I mean, I've, t I've been following him, I believe, for some time now. He's hysterically funny on Twitter. So I, it's another one of those that's got, gone into the to-be-read pile, which is now bigger than I am. Mm. Actually, that sounds like the beanstalk in my front yard. <laughs> <coughs> which has developed the most gorgeous flowers. They're such a dark red that they're almost black. It's uh, the, 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 co the, the color of dried blood. It's fantastic. You have a fantastic sense of the macabre. <laughs> Comes with the territory. I, I saw these beautiful so flowers. It made me think of dried blood. Well, that image has actually just occurred to me. So <laughs> it's, uh... Oh, good. That's that's better. <laughs> you have that effect on me. Oh well, I I think I think we've just hit the pinnacle of the podcast. <laughs> Things can't get any better. <laughs> Chris, as always, thank you so much for joining us. You're absolutely spectacular. 
and um, and I, I look forward to seeing you in in September for the um, the launch of your new book. But at any other time you're up in Leeds, hopefully I shall be about. 